Hello everyone, T-Bain here, and welcome to another episode of the Revival Church Podcast. Actually, the first episode of 2021. Um, Happy New Year to everybody. You made it through 2020, and now everything is basically the same. But, at least we get to start over and do our best to make this one better than last year, amen. So, um, thank you to everybody that's... uh, that made last year so great as as far as the podcast goes at least um uh i just it's it's humbling that people take the time to actually listen to this so um thank you guys so much um so in terms of news uh there's not just a whole lot going on um other than just putting out new episodes and stuff like that um we are getting more active on social media um, so we've kind of made a push for the Facebook group and all that good stuff. Um, so if you're listening to this and you haven't liked us on Facebook, um, go ahead and do that for us. Um, it's just the Revival Church podcast on Facebook. Um, we're starting to gain a few followers. And the main reason that we're, that we even do that is so that you get the news, um, for the, the upcoming episodes and things like that. And also, it's a really good forum for you guys to come in and give feedback and ask questions and and make comments and all that good stuff. But if you don't have Facebook or anything like that, obviously, you can still reach us at revivalchurchpodcast at gmail.com and uh, leave us any questions or comments or anything like that that you want to do. So um, so this week is another sermon episode. Um, Brother Walks said or preached uh, a little while back, um, a sermon called My Better Half. Um, and basically it's about, uh, heaven and how great it's going to be. Um, I think that over the course of the past year and especially, and even the few weeks that we've been in 2021, so many crazy things have happened and, uh, it's easy to get caught up in the minutia of all of the insanity that surrounds us and forget that there really is going to be a day where, things will be better, and uh, I don't want to sound melodramatic in that sense, but it, it's easy to lose sight of the reality of that day, um, that it, that it really is going to happen, you know, and uh, I think that this sermon kind of helps to put that in perspective just a little bit, Um, and also, I, you know, I don't want to take up too much time today, but I do want to dedicate this episode today um, to uh, Sister Sharon and Brother Paul Deemer. Um, we had a couple tough losses, as many of you know, if you go to Revival Church. Um, you know, just two great saints of God that were willing to live in almost complete anonymity in some ways, um, just willing to be faithful and serve the kingdom of God with almost no recognition whatsoever. Um, and they're the kind of people that probably needed, or at least deserved, uh, they didn't need it, but they they deserved recognition before they passed away, but this is, maybe this is the best that I can do, you know. Um, but anyway, the sermon today, it's, I hope that this doesn't bring you down, you know, but um, the sermon is really meant to be very uplifting. Um, it's done, it's done a lot of good for me. Um, it's just, it's, 
very powerful in the way that it highlights the reality of heaven. Um, I know that with all of the insanity that surrounds us, it's easy to lose sight of of the fact that there will be a day when things are going to be better. And not only better, but better than anyone's ever told us. Um, it is... Uh, Anyway, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna belabor the point and and kind of let the cat out of the bag here. So, uh, without any further ado, here's Brother Walksetter preaching, "My Better Half." I'm going to read a passage of scripture that is familiar, but is going to seem out of place for what you know already. I'm going to talk about. Okay, so allow me to at least put it into perspective before you judge me overly harshly. Amen. You're normally a very patient congregation, and I know pastor appreciates it, and so do I. Isn't he a great preacher? Amen. Amen. And he's not just, again, he's not just a great preacher in that he preaches good, but he actually tries to live what he preaches. That's, that's like really hard. It's easy to preach stuff sometimes. It's kind of hard to actually kind of live it. I found that out. That's why I try to be nice to you people. Hallelujah. First Kings chapter 10. When the king of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came, everyone say she came. She came to prove him with hard questions. She left where she was. She went to where he was. And that, of course, is Jerusalem. So she made her way from Sheba to Jerusalem to find some things out. And, of course, she found those things out. In verse number 6, she said to the king, It was a true report that I heard in mine own land of thy acts and thy wisdom. Verse number 7, How be it, I believed not the words. I got to tell you something, king. I kind of believed it, but I really didn't. I, I kind of believed how smart you were, and I kind of believed how rich you were, and I kind of believed how good you are, but I kind of don't. I really didn't. I really didn't until I came, and mine eyes had seen it, and behold, the half was not told me. The half was not told me. I want to preach today, not about my good wife, though I could. Proverbs 31, 32, and 33, woman, right there. But I want to preach about my better half. I want to preach about my better half. I've got this life, and God has seen to it that I've got a good one. But this is just the first half. I'm looking forward to a better half. I said, I'm looking forward to a better half. It's the the half that I've already got, the half I've seen, the half I heard about. It it ain't even going to match up to the half that's waiting for me somewhere someday. Jesus, Father God, I pray that your spirit would touch us today and help us and guide us and help me do a good job and a fast time for these great people. 
give them patience and grace for me today and help us to learn from the word of the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated today. Matthew chapter 12 is right about halfway through the book of Matthew. And you see finally the scribes come to Jesus and they answered him, the scribes and the Pharisees answered him saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. They wanted a sign. Now, of course, you know, the gospel according to John records that basically everything John wrote about Jesus was a sign. Like everything Jesus did, every time he healed somebody, that was supposed to be a sign. And they say, we'd like another sign. And like, how many signs do you people need? And, you know, typically he would, you know, okay, fine, that's what you want. I'll do something cool for you. I'll feed somebody or heal somebody or cause someone to walk or cause someone to see. But that day he didn't do that. And, in fact, he told them in verse 39, an evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, but there shall no sign be given to it. But the sign of the prophet Jonah, Jonas. And then, of course, he talks a little bit about Jonah. The story, just in case you can't remember it, this is Jesus validating that story that sometimes people have a problem with. And so if you don't believe in Jonah, you're not going to believe in him. And he said, for as Jonah was in uh, three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the belly of the earth. And then he decides to, 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 to take the story of Jonah and then talks about the response of the actual people Jesus, or jo, excuse me, Jonah was going to. And he's going to contrast it with the people he has been sent to. And he said, okay, you know, you want a sign for me, and all I've given you is signs. He said, I'm not going to give you any more sign than, than what the Ninevites had. They got a sign from Jonah, and that's the one that you're going to get. And notice what the men of Nineveh did. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment against this generation and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, a greater then Jonah's here. Amen. They're going to rise up. The people that you think are so low down good for nothing when you tell the story of the Ninevites, they're going to be the ones that actually judge you Listen. in those days. And then, of course, Jesus, he proved his point, but then he threw one in for free, right? The way that he sometimes does. He, he talked about Jonah and then the men of Nineveh. That kind of makes sense. But then he, he threw an extra example in for free. He talked about the queen of the south shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. Now, that, of course, is the inverse story. With the story of Jonah, God sends a man to a people, but in this occasion, it's the people that come to the man. It's the people that are hungry enough to actually find something out that they make their way to the man to find out if what they've heard is true. And he says, I, I've come to you, and, but now you kind of have to come to me a little bit. You've got to desire to hear from me. He said, you, the queen of the south is going to rise up against this generation and shall condemn it because she came from the uttermost part of the earth. That's a far way away. She came from a far part, the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Behold, a greater than Solomon is here. Now, obviously, she, he is talking here about this queen of the south is no doubt the queen of Sheba that we've talked about in our text that we've already read from in 1 Kings chapter number 10. 
that when she heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to prove him with hard questions. Now, exactly where Sheba is is eh, maybe anybody's guess. I think I can make a good argument for exactly where Sheba is. The table of nations back there in the book of Genesis chapter 10 lists Sheba alongside the other Hemetic people. That means people that come from Ham. We typically associate that with Africa or the Middle East. We'll see here uh, places like Cush, which is Ethiopia. Mizraim is Israel's name for Egypt and Canaan. So it's all there in that Middle East period of time. Most Bible scholars would put that today in the southern part of Arabia. There in the Middle East, a part we would call Yemen. It's right there on the trade routes between Africa, Asia, and the Middle East. Right there. A wealthy area that you would see. In fact, the scripture talks about the wealth of these people in Ezekiel chapter number 27. The merchants of Sheba, they were thy merchants and they occupied in thy fairs with the chief of all spices and with precious stones and gold. You can see here that they did not just trade in spices, precious gems, or uh, pastor talks about real estate and livestock and precious metals, precious metals or precious stones, right? precious metals also being gold. That wasn't the only thing they traded in because the people of Sheba were also went by another name that you'll hear in the Old Testament. They are the Sabaeans. And the Sabaeans, if you would, also traded in people. Joel chapter three, verse number eight, I will sell your sons and your daughters into the hand of the children of Judah and they shall sell them to the Sabaeans to a people far off. And that kind of goes with the idea of what Jesus said. She came from the uttermost. These are people afar off. In any way you can think of being afar off, the people of Sheba were. And of course, if you've ever heard of the Sabaeans, you probably kind of go, well, that seems really familiar. There must be an Old Testament story that talks about the Sabaeans. And that's right. The book of Job chapter number one talks about a raiding party, if you would. The Sabaeans fell upon them talking about the livestock that he had and they took them away and they have slain thy servants. So these people, they were wealthy, but they got their wealth through trade and precious gems and precious metals and people and stealing stuff. However, they acquired this wealth. Incredible wealth flowed into the royal court of Sheba. Isaiah refers to them as men of statute. These are people of status. These are people that got it going on. This is not just some lady somewhere in a bathrobe and curlers in her hair on her way to Walmart. This is somebody got it going on. She's not put on sweatpants that say juicy on the back. You know what I'm talking about. This is somebody got it going on. And she decides, she, she hears stories about people because all that trade, and all those people that come through her court, as they brag on her and they tell her what a great kingdom that she has and how wealthy she is and how smart her wise men are. And I believe that the wise men we read about in the Bible may have actually come from Yemen. Justin talked about that in the podcast that we got going on for you guys. Uh, 
They brought something else with all of that trading. They brought stories and they brought tales and they brought reports of someone that was better. A place that was nicer, a place that was cleaner, people that were smarter and taller and happier than this place. And you know what I think? I think she got a little peeved about the whole idea. She got a little put off. They coming into my court talking about how smart this Solomon guy is. He might be smart, but I'm smart too. Maybe you don't think like that, but you know, you've heard stories before and people bragging about how good their mama's cooking in you. <laughs> yeah, but you think, you think your mama could cook. You never tasted my mama's cooking. My mama couldn't cook, so that's, uh, God bless your mom, love you. I love you so very, very much. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah, if it wasn't starch, we didn't need a whole lot of it. Hallelujah. <laughs> but you know how people can be. As someone talks about being the world's greatest, somebody goes, well, wait, wait a second there. I got to beg to differ with you. I got to stop and correct you there for a second. You know, that, that Solomon may be wise, but I, I think I'm wise too. And he may be rich, but he ain't seen gold like I got. And he ain't got nothing on me. This, there's a great kingdom. I ain't going to take anything away from him. They talk about him being the greatest kingdom on the planet, but I got a pretty nice kingdom going on here too. So you know what I'm going to do? I, I, I think I'm, here's what I'm, here's what I'm going to go do. Number one, I hear all this stuff, and so I'm going to show up with a bunch of questions that I can't even figure out. My wise men can't figure out. I'm, a, I'm showing up with a load of questions. And they're going to be hard questions, right? And then what I'm going to do is when I show up, I'm going to dazzle him. Because that's what she did. Verse number two says, she came to Jerusalem with a very great train. That doesn't mean choo-choo, by the way. That means she had a lot of care. She, she had a big caravan full of stuff. She, it was full of stuff, and it had camels that bear spices. So she showed up and said, now, this is, this is what I got. I got some stuff, too. I'm, I got it going on, and very much gold. You know how much very much gold is? That's a lot. That's very much gold. I think she gave him 120 talents of gold. That's a lot of gold. I said, that's a lot of gold. And gold is basically what a person could earn in their entire lifetime, a talent of gold. So you could see here 120 of them. That's a lot of gold just to show up and go on a trip. Hey, I'm thinking about going on a trip. I need, oh, 120 lifetimes worth of gold to go, to go on the trip with me. And, of course, she had precious stones. And when she had come to Solomon, she communed with him and, all that was in her heart. Somehow, I don't know what happened here, but somehow as she got into the presence of this king, she started peppering him with these hard questions. And maybe I, maybe pastor, I don't know, maybe she was just a little smart mouth, a little smart aleck the way people can be sometimes. Like on Facebook, I've seen your post. You need to repent about that. <laughs> just trying to pick fights with people and just try, you're just trying to stir it up. I can feel it. You're just taking that stick and rattle it in the, in the lion's cage to see what goes on. I know some of you, you get to the family reunions, you're going to ask that question nobody else is going to ask. 
just drop it in the middle of the family and watch it explode and then sit back and enjoy yourself. Maybe that's just me, hallelujah. Maybe that's why we don't get together as often as we used to, hallelujah. But something happened when she got into the presence of that king. She started asking questions, and there was something inside of her that kept going. And she communed with him of all that was in her heart. And Solomon told her all her questions, and there was not anything hid from the king which she which he told her not. He answered everything. And so what probably started off, Brother Jerry, is just something, that, you know, how many angels can dance on the head of a pin? And, and he, exactly what do you mean by this? And what do you mean by that? And how, there's something that now begins to happen in her life as she begins to pour out questions. And now it's not just silly little things. It's things that really have been weighing on her and bothering her and things she had dealt with since she was just a little girl. And now it's all coming, pouring out. And yet this man, as she stands in the presence of true majesty and nobility, she finally has answers that she has been grappling with an entire lifetime. And the Bible says that when the queen of Sheba had seen Solomon's wisdom in the house that he had built and the meat of his table and the sitting of his servants and the attendants of his ministers and their apparel and his cupbearers, even the guy that brought the glass of water for the preacher, when she saw that and his ascent as he went up into the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. There was something that just sort of crumbled on the inside. There was something just a little bit breathless on the inside. That's what it means. The word spirit, that means it took my breath away. There was something that took her breath away when she saw all this and she heard all of this. And there was something that finally, when she caught her breath, she, she said something to Solomon she did not have to say. I said she did not have to say it. I think... She said it kind of for me and she kind of said it for you because she said these things to him. He said, you know what? It was right. Everything they told me was right. Everything they said about your actions and everything they said about your wisdom, I didn't know it because I hadn't seen it. How be it? I didn't believe it. I didn't believe it. How be it? I believed it not. Because I didn't see it. And I didn't hear it. I got some second and third hand account of how great this place was and what a great kingdom this place would be. But I, I gotta be honest with you. As I sat in that courtroom, as I look in hindsight, I didn't believe it. I said, I didn't believe it. Oh, I know we, I'm getting ahead of myself, but you know where I'm going with this thing. I know we're talking about a place we're gonna go one day, but as I sit here today, I gotta be honest with you. There's a part of me that just doesn't believe it. I said, there's a part of me that doesn't believe it. I believed it not until I came and I saw it for myself that there's another day coming that's better than this day. And because of that, I can endure this day. I, I sort of believed it. And nobody in his right mind shows up if they don't believe it in any way, shape, or form. I mean, I got to be honest with you. People told me when I was a kid about Santa Claus. And if you still believe in that, God bless you. My daughter, we told our daughters, as long as you continue to believe, you'll continue to get presents from him. So... 
They're kind of the true believers Robert sings about all the time. But when I started to get my doubts, I didn't, I didn't go and investigate the North Pole. You know what I'm saying? I, I, when, when I said, hey, there ain't no such thing, I didn't say, oh, you know what I better do? I better go find out there's people up at the North Pole. I didn't do that. That's stupid. You don't really show up and go from Yemen to Israel. You don't really take this dangerous journey unless there's something inside of you that kind of believes it. I kind of believed it. I sort of believed it, but I didn't, not to the extent that everyone talked about. And when I get here, I find out that they gave me the short end of the stick. I find out that they told me about this place, but they, they dumbed it down for me. They tried. I sat there in my royal robes on my nice throne, and they were talking about this glorious place. And when they, they kind of looked at me and felt a little bad for me, and so they kind of they downplayed it just a little bit because they didn't want me to feel so pitiful about myself. And pitiful about my condition, because if I if I really had believed it, I would have I would have been on the first jet there. I'd have, I'd have taken the first caravan there, and I wouldn't have showed up with all this cool stuff. Because I would know I could not possibly impress you with the meager things I brought. Oh, I'm here to tell you today we're on a similar quest. We are not ancient monarchs of the Middle East. We don't have gold and spices. We got some spices, like a spice rack. We have a spice rack. We call it the top of the oven. Hallelujah. That's where everything kind of goes. If it doesn't fit there, we don't put it in anything. Hallelujah. Pray it doesn't melt. Hallelujah. But we are on similar quest. I'm a, I'm a king. My own little kingdom called life. I got me a nice little kingdom. Every once in a while, it's just the way I like it. Every once in a while. There are days it is exactly the way I like it. And in fact, I like it so much when they tell me about another place, I don't want to hear about it. I, I just don't. I'm playing with my grandson on the floor, and it's like, we're having, this is it right here. This is, woo! Come on now. The boy I never had. Not that I, I, I didn't want a boy. I, I love my girls. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I love my, love my girls, but there's just those days you don't want to let them go. You don't want to see them. You don't want to see them in. You don't want to see the sun go down on them. Or there are days that are so pathetic and pitiful. Maybe not the day itself. Maybe nothing of the events. Maybe nothing has changed, just all in me. It's just the way I see it. And somehow it's like, you know what? If there's a 2.0 of this, I don't want it. Because the same God that makes this life is going to make that one. You could do a better job than this. But the traveler comes by and he tells me of a better place. That poet, that prophet, that priest, that preacher comes and he tells me of a kingdom that defies my imagination, that defies description. And I sit there and I listen as they tell me of a home far beyond the skies, that they tell me of a home far away. 
Uh, they tell me of a home where no storm clouds rise. Oh, they tell me of an uncloudy day. And they tell me of a king. They tell me of a king and his beauty there. And they tell me that his eyes I shall behold. And where he sits on that throne that is whiter than snow in that city made of gold. And they tell me that he smiles on his children there. And I hear all of that. And I want to believe it, but I don't, William. I got to be honest with you. Sometimes I know I don't believe it because if I believed it, I'd let some things go. I said, if I really believed it, if I really believed it, I'd have an open hand about some things. But I, I want to hold on because I really don't believe it like I should. And I'm not a bad guy because of that. I'm just human flesh. That's all I've ever been and that's all I'll ever be. As they tell me of this unclouded day. To be honest with you, sometimes this quest that I am on has raised more questions. The quest has raised questions, and sometimes I will show up. I think when I finally get there, Pastor, I'm going to have a whole lot of load of hard questions. People come to me wanting me to make heads or tails out of stuff, and I'm like, I don't understand. I don't know. I think that, of course, is the way things are to be. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter. Everybody say the love chapter. The love chapter. The apostle waxed very honest with us there for a second as he's talking about love. He said, verse number 12, for now we see through a glass darkly. The word glass there means like a mirror. It's like I, I'm looking in a mirror, but it, what I see is not the way things are. I've never actually seen myself like, like with my own eyes, I've seen pictures of myself, but everything I see of me is like reversed. So if I see myself, it's like weird. The word darkly here, he said, that I see right now through this glass darkly. I'm kind of reminded, this has nothing to do with this really, but it kind of reminds me of it, that when I was a kid, we had a, we had a, a store not too far from us, and that store had a security glass, one-way mirrors on it. And as a kid, I kept looking at these mirrors. It's like, that's really weird. They want me to look at myself. And it's up by the checkout line. So I got bored one day, and I got real close to that mirror, and I looked through that thing, and I, I could see that was a one-way mirror, which means, guess what? There were people on the other side looking at me. And I could kind of see them, Jimmy. I could just kind of, I, I'd look through that and I'd just kind of see people moving around a little bit. They could see me as clear as day and they're looking at this little kid looking in the thing. That's right. Which they were unsuccessful with them sometimes. And sometimes when I look to that place, it's, I, I feel like that little kid. I'm, I, I want to see a little bit of heaven. And so I, I look through this scripture and I comb through it and I, I put my, place my face up against that glass and I, I'm looking through it. But one day I'm going to be on the other side of that glass. And when I'm on the other side of that glass, I'm going to look out. It's going to be plain as day as he says, face to face. And then I'm going to know some things just as I'm known. The word darkly here means in riddles. It means hard questions. It means if you showed up here today with questions, it's only because you're a, a person of some common sense and you wonder about some things sometime. 
And sometimes I try to put all the pieces together and I, I try to extrapolate from this life what the next life is going to be like, what this half of my life is like. I try to figure out what that day is going to be like. And I hear those songs that I can only imagine. And frankly, I can't. I can't even think about what I'm going to do when I see mom and dad again. And I, I see those loved ones again. And I, I see Jesus himself face to face in a place he has prepared for me. I, I can't imagine. And I try to think maybe it's like this life 2.0. Maybe it's... The other half as the day begins to dawn. But then I remember the very first lesson that I learned from the first page of my Bible. Genesis chapter 1, verse number 3. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. So God creates light. So he's, there's light there. There's light on planet earth. And he saw the light that it was good. That means if there wasn't light, it's not good. And then God divided the light from the darkness. That's okay. And then God divided, he called the light day. But then he didn't stop there. He gave a name to my darkness. And he called my darkness night. So he gave me light and then he hid it from me for half the time. He gave me an opportunity to know that there's light out there, but half the time, this half, I don't get to be in it. That's called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. That's not the way we talk. When we talk about today, Sunday, we say Sunday morning, Sunday evening. But the Jews, they talk about it differently. They they talk about it. It's the idea that I go through the night first. I'm walking through the night first. And I'm walking through the coldness and the darkness and the silence and the loneliness and all the things that night brings. But weeping, the psalmist said, weeping endures for the night. But joy, joy comes in the morning. Joy comes in the morning where there's warmth and there's light and there's aliveness and there's togetherness and there's understanding. And all the things I thought in the night when I was a scared little kid, they seemed so silly in the light of day. And all the questions that I had that I was bogged down with and I could hardly drag myself sometimes. And that's where I am sometimes in this life because the difference between this world and the next world is the difference between night and day. I said it's the difference between night and day. As I cope with things and I wrestle with things and I hold on to loved ones that are ripped away from me, I can envision of a day Isaiah told the people in chapter 9, the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. God created light. Thank you so much. Thank you so much you made light. Now what did you do? You hid it from me. I've got to walk sometimes when it's dark and I've got to walk sometimes when it's cold and I've got to walk sometimes when it's lonely. I've got to endure it. He said, they that dwell, they that dwell, they that dwell in the land of the shadow of death. That's where I live right 
Now, that's where this half of this life will be lived, in the land of the shadow of death. Upon them hath the light shined. For unto us, verse 6, just a couple of verses later, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace. There shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with justice, with judgment and justice from henceforth even forever. The Queen of Sheba saw the orderliness of that court. She saw how people delivered water and she saw how people served tables at that land. And I want to think that's the church. I want to think that's just here, Holy City, New Jerusalem. But frankly, I know really all I'm doing is sitting in a courtroom listening to an ambassador talk about his kingdom and the country from which he comes. But I have to go back into my cold, cruel world and remember that there's light out there somewhere. This woman told Solomon, happy are thy men, and happy are thy servants that stand continually. Somebody say continually. See, I don't get to do that. I got to come in here for a little while and feel the warmth and feel a little bit of that light and hear about that holy city. And then I got to go back into the night and I got to make it through. And I got to hold on to some things. And I got to believe, but I know I don't. It said, Blessed be the Lord God which delighteth in thee, and set thee on the throne of Israel, because the Lord hath loved Israel forever. And he made thee king to do judgment and justice. See, that's the problem that I have justice, Justin, justice, judge. <laughs> Maybe it's a prophecy. Maybe he's going to be a justice. Who knows? I can envision of a better day. But I know this ain't it. And I know one day all the questions will be answered, but this ain't it yet. And I know of a day where all rights will be made wrong. Revelation chapter 15 and I saw as it were a sea of glass mingled with fire and them that had gotten victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name. You know, you can't have victory over that stuff. Stand on the sea of glass having harps of God and they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God and they sing the song of the Lamb saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, O Lord God, almighty, true and just are thy ways. Thou God of saints, who shall not fear thee, O Lord, or glorify thy name? For thou art holy, for all nations shall come and worship thee, for thy judgments are made manifest. They are plain to everybody, but not yet. Musicians are coming. Every year there was something played out for the people. On that day we call the Day of Atonement. You can remember it this way if you need to know how to spell it. It's the Day of Atonement. As the Day of Atonement would come to pass, there would be something played out. Leviticus chapter number 7, he was supposed to take two goats, present them before the Lord at the door of the congregation of Israel, the tabernacle of the congregation. And he's going to cast lots upon the two goats, and 
One's going to be for the Lord. The other one's going to be the scapegoat. And then what he's going to do, he's going to bring the goat, which the Lord's lot fell, and he's going to kill that. That one's going to die as a sin offering. I got two goats. One's going to die. The other one, the other goat upon whom the lot fell, shall be the scapegoat which shall be presented alive to make atonement with him and he shall go let the scapegoat go into the wilderness. There's one that's going to die but there's one that's going to live. You know why we call it the scapegoat? Because it's going to escape. It's the escape goat. I know one thing right now that should the Lord tarry I will die like that first goat, but there's another goat that lives inside of me somewhere. There's another offering on the inside of me that's gonna escape this mess one day. And all sin's gonna be taken away. And I'm gonna escape. That's why the apostle Paul could write to them and say, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? He's writing to Romans, by the way. The Romans. The ones that would face Nero's persecution. We'd be burned alive in his garden as he covered them with tar. He said, that is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. That's a part we don't quote. We quote, we quote so much of Romans 8, but we don't quote this one. For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Now, which is it, Paul? Are we sheep for the slaughter or are we more than conquerors? The fact of the matter, it is both. In this life, you will be a sheep for the slaughter. The only reason he said these things cannot separate us from the love of Christ is not because they won't face them, but because they will. They will face tribulation and distress and persecution and famine and nakedness and peril and sword and questions and problems and frustrations and anger. But will they also be more than conquerors as that other lamb escapes? Jesus said, no man hath left house or brethren or sisters as they came and they tried to tell him what a great people they were you don't understand how great I am I've left so much he said hey, you know what there's nothing that you haven't left that won't be you will receive a hundredfold verse 30 now in this time houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children lands with persecutions but that's just this day in the world to come there's a day coming and I'm here to tell you it's a better day and as much as we sing about it brother Timmy we ain't done justice to it quite yet I'll tell you who could do justice to it sister Sharon if we let her have five minutes up on this piano right now if we just let her have five minutes she could start to do some justice but you know what I, I, I maybe at the same point in time she'd be like the apostle say you know what there aren't even words in the English vocabulary to talk about how great the place is The big difference, of course, between that journey and ours is we stand together. As 1 Kings chapter number 10 said, 
that Solomon gave the queen everything she desired. Everything she wanted. If she wanted it, he gave it to her. Now remember the Lord presented him with a blank check. That's good. When the Lord presents you a blank check, that's really good. But if you can't get that, the second big thing is good, make good friends with Solomon and let him give you everything you want. But when she got that, she returned to her own country, she and her servants. But see, that's not going to be the way it ends for me. Because he told the Thessalonians, Paul did, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ. Sister Sharon, Sister House, so many, your brother House, so many that we could talk about. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we, which are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. I'm either going to be in the first group or the second. I can't tell you which, but I'm going to be there to meet the Lord in the air. And I ain't going for vacation. Come on. I ain't going for a trip. I ain't going just to see it. If I'm going, don't get me back. Don't pray me back. You let me go. Because so shall we ever, ever, ever be with the Lord. I'm here to remind somebody as great as your life is, there's a greater one coming. Or as bad as your life is, there's a greater one coming. I'm here to tell you everything on that side is just, it can't even be compared. Paul said, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not even worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. So I want somebody today, because the dead praise not the Lord the way we do. As pastors preached before, the apostles had everything handed to them on a silver platter. It wasn't difficult for them to believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus because they watched him live, they watched him die, and then they watched him walk around alive. And in the same way, Joel preached about the faithless place. The place, it's not going to be a struggle for us to raise hands. It's just going to come so natural. But here today, I've got a choice. I can, I can major in those questions and those problems and those things, or I could say, you know what? Somebody's told me about a place. It's better. It's better. It's better than this. It's so much better that when I get there, there's... I won't ask for a refund for my tithes from the preacher. I'll say, you know what? I should have given more. I should have believed more. I didn't really believe it when we sang. I want somebody to lift a hand right now toward heaven. And say, I try my best. I try my best to believe you. I try my best. I really do. Sometimes I, 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 I don't. I can't. 
but one day I know when I get there, it's gonna, something's going to crumble in me and I'm going to walk around that place for just a half hour stunned by the glory and the majesty that I see at that place. And when I finally start to talk, it won't be how great I did, what all the cool stuff I did, all those stars I got in my crown because that crown ain't staying on my head one second. It's going to be flung at his feet as I say, thou art worthy. And as he tries to compliment me, I'll say, I'm nothing but an unprofitable servant. I have done that, which is my duty to do. I just did it because you told me to do it, but I'm here today. And you're here to answer my questions. Oh, somebody lift a hand right now. Oh, can we worship him just a little bit as Pastor gets ready to come today? Amen. And that was another episode of the Revival Church Podcast. You can subscribe on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. Um, Please leave us a review or a rating wherever possible. And until next time, may the Lord bless and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and give you peace in Jesus' name. See you later.